Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America Babylon and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network. With Shannon Davis. Some of our time. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Everybody, welcome aboard. We're excited to be here today with Evangelist Betsy Pelletieri. And uh, Betsy, would you like to open us in prayer? Sure. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We come before you in all manner of humility and and desire to know more of you and to walk in your ways and to spread your good news to whosoever has the simplicity of heart to hear it. So we praise you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Over to you, my friend. Hallelujah. So, in our continuing study of the goodness of God toward us, um, I always have a subtitle, and the subtitle is Free from Sin. Now, that might, <laughs> in Christian circles, this, that phrase might just sound like a cliche, and it certainly isn't. I mean, we hear that a lot, but 
we really need to look into it as a reality of what Christ has accomplished. And in Romans, well, first of all, we believe, right? We believe by faith that God created the heavens and the earth. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. She is a Jew, and she's a non-believer in Jesus. I mean, if she believes that he was a man and probably was a great philosopher. And I said, do you believe that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that that God created the heavens and the earth? And she said, yeah, I believe that. I said, and you cannot believe that he sent his son to die for our sin and, and that he raised him from the dead. She said, no, no, I don't believe that. So um, <laughs> there's, uh, like God says, there is a veil over their eyes until Christ is revealed in their heart. And, what, you know, we believe by faith, we believe that the things which we see the heavens and the earth were made manifest by his invisible power, which is his word. And why? Why do we call, call it invisible? And the simplicity of God's word is because words are invisible. That's why it's called his invisible power. And, but we could totally trust his invisible, powerful words by the things that we that were made, I'm looking out my window now at these unbelievable, beautiful mountains in the northern Catskills where I live, and God created this by the power of His invisible Word. So, back to free from sin, Romans three verse twenty three tells us that we all, all humans, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet, even though that was our condition, he demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And because of man's sin, that's when the law came into being. The purpose of the law was added because of transgressions, but only, it was only added, only the word says, until the seed, and I use that word seed with a capital S, only until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. So, if there had been a law given, which could have given life, real spiritual life, truly righteousness would have been by the law, but the scripture has confined and concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who what? To those who what? To those who believe. But before faith came, we God's word says we were kept under the law, under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which was going to afterward be revealed. Therefore, it was like the word says the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, 
we're no longer under a tutor. It's kind of like, you know, like when kids are in kindergarten, that's kind of like a tutor to them. But then they go on to first grade. They're no longer under that tutor. It's like a graduation thing. And we have, God has graduated us from the tutor, the law, unto grace. And so he says, therefore, before the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by what? By faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. The only way God could show us our sinful nature was by the law. Because that's how we have knowledge of sin is by the law. It's by the law is that sin is known. And that's in Romans 3.20. And, you know, we have to say to ourselves, oh, oh, wretched souls that we are, like kept under the law. If there's always an abiding law, it's, it's like, it's a curse. God calls it a curse. And, but somebody, somebody had to be able to set us free from this law of sin and death. And our Father, our Heavenly Father knew our plight. And look what he did for us. In Romans 7.3, he tells us very plainly, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He, Jesus, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And he reminds us, and, and I quote, you you, me, you, those who believe, we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in us. Now, he says this, I'm not saying this, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. If we don't have the spirit of Christ, we do not belong. We do not belong in the family of God. And that does not mean that God does not love his whole creation and all of mankind. But there's a way in which to enter into the, into the family of God. And if Christ is in you, he says, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. For Christ, this is an amazing statement right here, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who does what? <laughs> everyone who believes. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are now, now, right now, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all of us have become new. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Jesus fulfilled the law of commandments that we couldn't do. Praise 
God. He was manifested to take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. Are we in him? We are in him. And his word says, whoever abides in him does not sin. We have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who live. But Christ lives in us. And the life which we now live in the flesh, and we all do, we, all, we are here, we are in the flesh, but what does it say? We live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. If righteousness comes by the law, then guess what? Christ died in vain. And the word says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. This, this may be a hard saying for people hearing this, but it says, whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed, capital S seed, his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. And that is in First John chapter 3, verse 9. Now, we know that um, he, he set us free. Jesus has set us free from the law. And I'm going to show you this law, this particular law. That, that, oh, this is so cool, that Jesus set us free from. Listen to this. In Leviticus chapter 15, verse 16, and I'm quoting, If any man has an emission of semen, then he shall wash all his body in water and be unclean until evening. And evening is always the, the, a new day, right? Why? Why? There was a reason for this law, and the reason for all of the law is to, so that, that we can see the reality of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the spiritual level, okay? So Jesus has caused his seed to remain in us, and part of that, I mean, that's what he says, in in first john 3 9 that his seed remains in us i mean you see the 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 great reversal here of what the law that the flesh could not accomplish in the in the natural but what he wants to give us examples in the natural like like he does with the resurrection right like he says, oh, a seed dies in the ground, right? And then it comes up with a new body. And so he gives us that example in the natural so that he could show us what the reality in the spirit. Yes, we also are going to die and be raised with a new body. He always uses the natural as a means to show us the magnitude of what has been accomplished in the spirit and this is one of those amazing laws that his seed remains in us and if his seed is in us guess what that means we have a sinless nature that's what he has accomplished it's it 
this is part of the great spiritual reversal that that he has done for mankind. The difference between law and grace. This this law. It's the finished work of Christ. God used man's fleshly seed and the law as a for like a foreknowledge of what was the greatness of his finished work in Christ. That holy seed that is remaining in us is his Holy Spirit, which was planted in us by what? By his holy seed, which is his holy word. And Jesus said that his word is seed. He said that in a parable. He said the word is the seed is the word of God. And that word which the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary was holy seed. So laying this foundation of who we really are, which is a new and sinless creation, we need to know and understand that we have an enemy of our soul who has been walking to and fro upon this earth, seeking whom he may devour. Now let me share with you how, how cunning and how crafty and how deceptive Satan is. And, but, we, but guess what? We, God's word says we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, the word deception is very deceptive. What does deceptive mean? <laughs> it's like it means we can be fooled by an untruth. And in Genesis 3.1, basically, the serpent said to Eve... This is what he basically said to Eve. So, I hear that you can't eat of every tree in this garden. And look at how subtle a lie that is. That it actually was a partial truth. Because God said you could eat of every tree, but you can't eat of one tree. So, so Satan is using this statement and saying, well, if you can't eat of all of the trees, you can't, it's true that you can't eat from every tree, which in logically actually was a true statement. But that is not, not at all what God said, is it? He said you could eat of every tree, but you can't eat from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So herein, herein, first time on this beautiful earth, beautiful paradise, herein was the very first deception in the life of man in the earth. And the very first lie was made manifest here in this paradise. You will not surely die. That was a lie. And also the very, very first temptation was made manifest. Your eyes will be open to know good and evil. The very first self-consciousness was made manifest. They knew they were naked. They had that, they experienced that insidious concept of self-consciousness, wherein before that, they only had God-consciousness. The very first self-righteousness was, was made manifest. All, all this happened right then and there in this deception. 
and the self-righteousness. They tried in their own way to appear righteous by covering up with fig leaves. What else entered in for the first time ever was fear entered in. They were afraid because they were naked. What else entered in? Blame. Adam blamed Eve and he subtly blamed God, right? By saying, oh, the, the woman that you gave me. He was trying to also put blame on God. And Eve, she blamed the serpent. So these, all of these things are all prevalent in the earth today. All of these things are prevalent because of why? Because of their disobedience. Even thorns and thistles started to grow in that perfect garden. So many people today do behavioral studies. I mean, it's all over the place. Behavioral studies to find out what happened in your past that makes you like you are. And, I mean, that it's just all over the place. All these self-help things and studying, like, you know, you are what you are because of what you experience through your parents and stuff like that. And, sure, we all have stuff that may have happened, experiences, which cause us to, to come up with false conclusions about ourselves and about others. And the root cause of bad behavior it goes back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And how often do we all ourselves slip back into that mode? We need to continually remind ourselves and one another who we are in Christ. Our identity is really, it, it's absolutely first and foremost in our walk to be victorious. Do you know, Jesus was baptized, right, by John, and a voice, God's voice from heaven, came down and said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then what happened? Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted of Satan. And what was the first thing that Satan said to him? If you be the son of God. Jesus was just told he was the son of God and how God loved him. His father loved him. Satan used that first sentence, if you be the son of God, trying to make Jesus doubt his identity and tempt him to try to prove himself, but Jesus hit him right in the face with the word of God in all of those temptations. So every single day, we can walk in in the newness of our new creation status, and the thing we get tripped up on is, (laughs) is expecting our minds to automatically be perfect, but guess what? That is the one thing that is not perfected while we're walking here in the flesh. The only way, he says our minds are part of the flesh. And the only way that we can walk in the newness of the new creation that we are is by renewing our minds, putting on the mind of Christ continually, putting on the mind of Christ 
How do we put on the mind of Christ? By knowing what the mind of Christ is, by really saturating ourselves with the Word of God as much as we can. And that's how we renew our minds and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But we do get tripped up on this thing, expecting like our minds should be automatically perfected just because we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead. But let me tell you something. You know what? It doesn't take faith to believe that Jesus died. And it doesn't take faith to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Why do I say that? Because it's a fact that Jesus died. It's a historic fact that Jesus died. It's a historic fact that he was raised from the dead. There was eyewitnesses. What what does it it takes faith for. It takes faith to to believe what was accomplished. Jesus died and rose from the dead. That's what takes faith. Oh, our carnal minds are en- at an enmity. This is like against God, for it's not subject to the law of God. Our minds, our natural minds, are not subject to the law of God. Neither. It, can it be? So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What a glorious, glorious solution God has made for us. He says we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in us. And once again, he says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. When we live into God's promises, we are automatically living by faith. Living into the poss- living into God's possibilities is living in faith, believing what God promised to us as His children, believing it, walking in it before any- anything is even manifested. We just tr- truly believe. It's like okay, the only. Mm, uh, like in the natural, like he says to be as, as children. So when we were children and we were believing in Santa, we were absolutely believing that we were going to wake up really happy on Christmas morning. We were walking in that belief. We, we had faith in Santa, didn't we? And it's the same thing with all of God's promises. We could just walk in knowing that he is going to fulfill all of his promises. We're, we're, we are automatically endued with his wisdom, his righteousness, his sanctification and redemption. As, <clears throat> as soon as we accept the Lord in our hearts and believe that he shed his blood for, for our sins, boom, as soon as we believe that, you know what that is? Right there, that is God's wisdom. If we, when we're believing that, that 
is God's wisdom being imputed unto us. The only thing required was to believe he was and is giving us this gift. We totally believe it by faith. And he gives us the grace to continually put off the deeds of the flesh, which pertain to our old sin nature. And, and we put on our garment of righteousness, renewing our minds to his glorious promises so that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And you know what it's like? It's, it's, it's like when people have limbs amputated and they actually feel a sense of pain where the limb used to be. And they, they call it, they have it, they, the medical profession ha, ha, has a name for it. They call it phantom pain. So remember how cunning the serpent was and still is. And just like when he said, um, <laughs> he says, so I heard, I heard that you can't eat from every tree. No, that was not true at all, and we're not ignorant of his devices. And how often, listen to this, how often do you, does he whisper into believers' minds, so did Jesus really, now listen to this, because this is really important. How often do we, that the believers hear the whispering taunts of Satan in our minds saying, so, did Jesus really give you power over sin? Do you see the subtle lie? There, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to point out the subtle lie and expose Satan right now. No, we do not have power over sin. That's not the issue. Why? First of all, only Jesus has power over sin and death. But what, secondly, Jesus has given us a new nature. So for, for Satan to be whispering to us, do you have power over your sinful nature? What a lie. He's a liar. We don't have a sinful nature anymore. We have a sinless nature. So let me just clarify something. Do we make mistakes and fall short? Yes, we do. Does that, does that say that we have a sinful nature? No, not at all. The devil tries to engage in conversing with our old man. That is what he does. He tries to get us to have a conversation with our old man. And let me tell you something. The, uh, another law, <laughs> another law back in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, God specifically says it is an abomination to communicate with the dead. Why? That, that, that was another one of, the, one of his laws that was going to be made manifest of the, the reality of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because our old man is dead, dead, dead. We do not communicate with the dead, dead, dead. <laughs> we do not. And so why in the world... Would we be listening to that satanic voice that says, are you really free from sin? 
Yes, we are, because we don't have a sin nature. So how could we be sinning if we don't have a sin nature? So it, it, it's, it's just an ama- amazing thing. So let's go. Okay, so fast forward. He does not want us having any conversation in regard to our, our old man who is dead. So don't communicate with the dead. Our Father has given us the legal right to think about good tidings. And that's what his promise was. You remember the promise that he made, the the declaration that the angels gave to the shepherds? Behold, I bring you tidings of good joy, of great joy that shall be to all men. For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior, who will, who will save his people from sin. And that's exactly what, what has been done and accomplished. And um, in closing, he reminds us, and this is important because Paul is summing up words of power and words of edification and comfort, telling us, finally, you know, like what, what we are supposed to be thinking in our in our fleshly brains, what are we supposed to be thinking? The Apostle Paul says, finally, brethren, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things. The Apostle Paul yearned for God's people to walk in the simplicity of the gospel. And he says, and, he, and I quote, By the preaching of the word, he desired to present us as a chaste virgin to Christ. But he feared that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his subtlety, that our minds should be corrupted from what? From the simplicity that is in Christ. God has called us to such a simple gospel. He, he, it's simple, and he only desires that we simply believe what his finished work is. In summary, the simplicity of the good news is this, and I quote, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. And in Philippians 3.13, the Apostle Paul is saying, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He, he, he doesn't even quite understand the whole thing. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So if we can believe that by faith God created everything, Why can we not believe his words that declare us to be sinless without a sin nature? God God doesn't keep us guessing. 
He doesn't ever keep us guessing uh, as to exactly who we are. Now listen to this. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. So he's, he's being very accurate here and letting us know. He's letting us know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were, you hear this? Such were. We were, some of all of these things that I just mentioned, we were, some of us were some of these things. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. When, when we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now, once again, God does not leave us guessing what is and what isn't. He tells us plainly, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, which is the same word as licentious, like to have a license to do whatever we want, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, which is like contentions, emulations, which is like jealousies, wrath, strife, which is selfish ambition, seditions or dissensions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God." So all of these things that I just mentioned, these are fruits of unrighteousness. Now, look at this. The very next things he says are the, are the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and he says, against such there is no law. So there is, you know, what is that saying? There is, there is no law saying thou shalt not love. There is no law that says thou shalt not have joy. Oh, God. There is no law saying we shall, thou shalt not have peace. There's no law against any of the fruits of the Spirit. No law. We live under the law of what? The law of grace. All of, all of those shall, shall nots have been, all of the shall nots that were in the law, right, have been nailed to the cross. Our sinful nature has been nailed to the cross. And our new nature has been resurrected with Christ. We no longer eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but only from the tree of life, 
Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, the last powerful, the last powerful word I'm going to finish with is this. And this is, this is powerful, and God desires that we totally believe the simplicity of what he has declared. And I'm going to quote, it says in Galatians 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the reality. This is the reality of who we are in Christ. So, beloved, whosoever is listening to this message now, this is the power of God in Christ. His promises for us that we should walk in newness of life each and every day. And it is a what the work that the, the only works that we need to do is to renew our mind to the goodness of God toward us. That is that is the works. We have to we have to to like we don't have to do any works of the law anymore. We have to walk. This is our work to walk in the newness of the new creation that he has caused us to walk in, remembering that he has caused us. He is the cause. We are not the cause. He causes us to walk in newness of life. So, beloveds out there, I pray that you would receive this word with meekness of heart. This is like the implanted word. James says, receive the implanted word with meekness of heart. This word which is able to save our souls, our eternal souls, that we no longer walk in the oldness of the letter of the law, but in the newness of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So, praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. Great word tonight, Sister Betsy. Betsy, tell us again, what do we title the broadcast for this evening? Free from Sin. Awesome. Betsy, if someone would like to make contact with you in your ministry, is there a way they can do that? Yes, I will give you my cell phone number, which is 518-368-9374. And I also do, I have started a YouTube channel, which is called The Goodness of God Toward Us. Oh, that's great. Let me write that down. The Goodness of God Towards Us. Okay. Folks, get over there and subscribe to that YouTube channel. I'll find the link and put in the show notes here. Uh, you have an email you want to give out? Uh, sure. It's uh, I'll spell it. It's my first and last name at Gmail. Uh, B-E-T-S-Y-P-E-L-E. 
Okay, fantastic. Betsy, look at your schedule for June. Uh, get me another date, and let's uh, get you back on the program. Okay, I will. I'll get back to you on that. Praise a, God. God bless you. Have a great weekend. It was Thank a great work. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Betsy. Amen. <laughs> Bye-bye. Folks, stay tuned.